This is the Sheep Guarding Llama Podcast for Saturday, January 7th, 2005. I'm your host, Scott Allen Miller, and this is episode 40. Welcome to the show.
that was Body of My Lover by Delphinium Blue, which comes to us courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network, which you can find online on the web at music.podshow.com. We've been using them for some time now. We've been getting lots of great music from them. And, uh, in fact, we've been getting so much great music, and I've said this a couple times, but we're doing a show today uh, to kind of showcase some of that music because it backlogs when I don't do shows often enough, as I haven't over the last three weeks. Fortunately, uh, everyone's been slow on posting new music over the last three weeks, so there isn't quite as much as there would have been. Uh, and I do only have about seven pages of, uh, of stuff that I need to go through, but I do need to go through it. So I'm, uh, I'm getting caught up the best that I can, but, uh, that one was great. Um, uh, Delphinium Blue is new posting on, uh, uh, the network, I'm pretty sure, uh, well, since August. So, uh, fairly new, last six months. Um, and, uh, that one was pretty catchy. I think you'll be hearing more, uh, from that artist in the future, um, so uh, we're finally up to episode 40. This is really exciting because, you know, it's, it takes a lot of uh, work to get up to your 40th podcast. And uh, so this is pretty cool. And this is the 40th podcast here on SGL. Uh, there is a number of podcasts over on SGL too, but I don't think those really count because they're, they're from the cell phone. There's no production. They're really short. Uh, I mean, they are podcasts. I'm not saying they're not. And uh, not to belittle all the telephone podcasters out there, there's some really awesome telephone podcasting going on. But uh, the stuff that I've been doing over there, it's marginal. Uh, it was a good experience. I really like uh, that Audio Blogger provides uh, that feature. But uh, it's just not uh, the SGL podcast. So uh, uh, it's just not the same thing. I don't know what else to tell you. Um, I have been uh, working today tearing apart the last uh, railroad scene that uh, Dominica and I built. Um, it was uh, it was a learning experiment, and uh, we're trying to figure out how to make as many of the parts usable again as possible. So uh, it's a little bit of a project. Not quite sure uh, if I'm going to be able to pull it off, getting the buildings off of the uh, the layout and getting them uh, into a usable state again or not. But uh, for those of you who wanted to see the work that we did, it's very rudimentary. Uh, it's not uh, not all that cool because it was just a learning experiment. But there are pictures up on Flickr, so you can check us out up there. Um, so, uh, our next song is by uh, Katie Weir, and uh, this is off the album The Smell of Rain, and the song is Mini Haha. And I have to play this song. Well, I found this song. I have to play it because it's awesome. But I need to. Uh, I, I found this song on uh, Podsafe because of its name, Mini Haha. And I'm sure very few people know the name, but uh, Garrison Keeler used Mini Haha Falls uh, in one of his monologues many years ago, probably in the 1980s. He, uh, you know, everyone knows Garrison Keeler, Prairie Home Companion. He did his news from Lake Wobegon. Um, and uh, in one of his uh, he, uh, monologues, he was doing something about Niagara Falls, and he was saying how he couldn't uh, ever think about Niagara Falls when he went into the restroom, because growing up, he had always been taught uh, when when he wasn't able to um, can convince himself to use the restroom, to just think of Minnehaha Falls back home in Lake Wobegon, Minnesota, and uh, that would help him go, but he was always terrified that he might accidentally think of Niagara Falls, and uh, so I've for some reason, that has stuck with me all these years. I've only ever heard that monologue once when it was live on Prairie Home Companion, and uh, so I saw Minnehaha and uh, checked it out, and it's an awesome song. So uh, this is Katie Weir, Minnehaha. She 
Definitely no one can say that the music that we play here on the Sheep Guarding Llama podcast isn't uh, diverse and awesome because we got some really good stuff on here. Uh, I'm really happy with uh, the selection that we've been able to put out so far. And uh, it's been really cool uh, working with the Podsafe Music Network because there's just so much great stuff. I spend uh, normally about an hour a day, it seems like. Uh, just I, I keep it in the background and I just uh, click on different tunes and, and listen to a bunch of different stuff and, and see what I like. And uh, so this is all, most of these songs that you hear on here, stuff I discovered like today or yesterday, um, I do have a backlog that I'm trying to get through, but these last two I got in the last uh, 24 hours or so uh, that I heard for the first time. And uh, it's just really cool. Uh, It's such a great way to to find new artists and uh, new music and uh, just kind of explore your uh, music possibilities. There's so many places that you just can't do that, Uh, not legally anyway. And uh, so this is, it's just really cool. 
So I had to uh, go to the doctor yesterday for my regular checkup, uh, which is uh, supposed to be every six months, but it turned out to be about nine months because I didn't have any health insurance for a while, and it seemed like a waste to go to the doctor early just because I was in a kind of a lapse in health insurance. So we held it off, and I went, and it turns out that uh, it looks like I may have hypertension. Uh, Not a big deal. My blood pressure is a little bit high, but my heart rate is actually awesome. It's way down uh, at 72, which is incredible considering everything else. Um, And uh, my doctor's been on my case forever. Got to lose weight, exercise more, blah, blah, blah. Uh, So uh, unfortunately, though, I've put on extra weight and my blood pressure's up. So I am now uh, on a strict diet uh, to to lose um, a significant amount of weight and bring down my blood pressure. If I can bring my blood pressure down, then they're not too concerned about the weight. uh, But both together, they don't want. So... uh, Obviously, neither do they want, but specifically, it's it's bad having uh, both of them at the same time. So that's my uh, my new challenge for those of you who've never checked it out. I'm sure just about no one has, and it's about the most boring thing in the world, except for the fact that I think it's a neat uh, kind of demo of, of ways that you can use blogs for uh, different things. I think people really get kind of caught up with blogs are uh, for discussing uh, technical documents and for identity blogging like Sheep Guarding Llama is and uh, a political ranting and that kind of, that's it. That is blogs to most people. But blogging has a lot more potential than those kind of closed uh, applications of it. And one is, uh, I have this really simple blog called What Scott Ate Today and uh, you can go check that out. The link will be in the in the show notes today. And um, it's the simplest thing. I just list what I ate today. But you can go look at that and uh, make sure that I'm sticking with my diet. So it's uh, you know it's one of the most boring things in the world. It's not like I'm, I'm planning on getting a lot of traffic there. The thing looks awful. I didn't do anything to make the site look good. Uh, but it's a way for me to easily record for myself so I can look it up. Uh, my wife, Dominica, is able to look at it and make sure that I'm eating what I am supposed to be eating. Um, and so it's just, a, it's you know, what a great use of a blog. That is something that just makes sense and uh, people can use blogs for. Um, when you're in school, you know, elementary kids, a lot of times uh, in, in science class, I guess uh, middle school maybe, uh, in a science class, quite often uh, teachers will make students uh, keep a journal for a science experiment. Um, you're growing a plant, you got two plants, one has light coming from one side, one has light coming from the other side. Will the plants grow towards the light? And every day they're supposed to record, you know, how much has it grown, how much has it moved, uh, you know, all these different things. It's part of doing any science experiment. Well, why do that on paper when you can do it in a blog? Uh, it's, it's, you know, if, you're, it's, if it's worth writing down, um, either it's secret and uh, then you can use blogging tools for yourself and maybe that's not quite worth it at this point. Uh, but if it's if you're writing it down for someone else to look at, why not write it down for everyone to look at? Um, make things accessible. Uh, it's you know you took the time uh, to, to make this information exist somewhere. Why not put it into a form where it'll be stored, it'll be archived, and people will be able to use it. And uh, maybe you don't need a separate blog for everything. Maybe you have one blog that'll work for a lot of things. But uh, that's just, it's just, there's so many great uses. Uh, anything that we've ever journaled before, uh, you can now journal uh, using blogging. And uh, it's just handy. So obviously, I'm a big pro blogger guy. I've been doing it for a long time, done a lot of it, but uh, it's just awesome. So that was my, uh, that was my little rant about why you should blog. Um, I am going to play another song. 
I've got uh, a little bit more that I'm going to talk about, uh, but I want to get some more music in, so uh, here we go. civilians, uh, which, of course, we got from the Podsafe Music Network. Uh, okay, I wanted to talk about, this is um, this is an interesting story, I think, uh, for those of you who've read SGL, yeah, I talked about it on there yesterday, but um, uh, when I was a kid, uh, I'm guessing probably between like 10 and 12, somewhere around there, uh, my parents took me up to Niagara Falls, and for those of you who don't know, yes, I live in, uh, I'm from the Rochester area, Niagara Falls is about an hour away, so uh, going up to Niagara Falls was no big deal when we were kids. Uh, it's, a, it's so close that you never even really thought about it. I've only ever been there a couple times because uh, it's pretty boring. There's really nothing there. It's like the the wax museum capital of the world. Lots of really bad wax museums, really weird uh, museums and attractions that make absolutely no sense whatsoever. Uh, no one knows why anyone would want to go to them. 
and it's just loaded with them on both the U.S. and Canadian sides. It's like the two countries got together and decided that this little corner of their border was totally worthless and they would just let any amount of trash happen there and it did. Uh, Love Canal is in Niagara Falls. Um, it's The whole thing is just disgusting. Uh, the falls themselves are absolutely phenomenal. It's huge. It's, uh, it's one of the coolest things ever. But it's ruined by this bizarre, worthless attempt at a tourist industry that actually drives people away. No one goes to Niagara Falls to see any of the other stuff. They go to see the falls. And uh, so it's, it's a very weird thing. And now, just recently, casinos have started to spring up there, which sounds awful, but the reality is the casinos have the best chance of bringing any class of any sort uh, to the area, because the whole thing is just terrible. Um, so it's anyway, so when we were young, we went up there to see the falls, and we went to the, I believe it was called the Niagara Falls Museum, and uh, I remember this trip uh, pretty well, uh, actually, at the museum, and uh, the, the place was a total joke. It was just full of garbage. Uh, if anybody's ever watched Are You Being Served Again, which is really called Grace and Favor, but here in the U.S. no one calls it that, um, they go to this museum where they, they turn in a, an old dead cat uh, to the museum, and this museum is just the most ridiculous thing ever. Well, that is nothing compared to the Niagara Falls Museum. It was in what felt like an old rundown house. Uh, the exhibits were ridiculous. Most of them were fake. Uh, the whole thing was just stupid. And what happened was it was a collection that was, um, in the late 1800s, some guy who probably lived in Niagara Falls uh, bought a bunch of junk from junk peddlers at the time. And some of the stuff he bought was from actual Egyptian grave robbers, uh, and some of it was not. But uh, anything of any value that he had was uh, you know, black market, illegal stuff, uh, totally uh, immoral, should not have had it, a really awful guy. So anyway, he put it on exhibit, has this terrible, terrible exhibit, and the, and the place is full of, uh, and I forgot about this, my father reminded me of this, that the, there was um, the Freaks of Science exhibit, the, the pig with five heads and the goat with six legs or whatever, I don't know what they had, but all those ridiculous things, he had them there um, stuffed and on display. And uh, so this is one of those places. Not the it's not the kind of place you actually even want to go into, let alone anything else. And they had exhibits of people who've gone over the falls in barrels. And um, so anyway, but the the one exhibit they had that was actually from somewhere was uh, this Egyptian mummy. And I guess there's more than one mummy, but there was one that was kind of the the centerpiece of this awful collection. And uh, I remember being totally appalled by the fact that, just first of all, that this museum was able to have anything that ever came from Egypt. Um, they didn't really have uh, anything to justify being allowed having a used Egyptian stamp collection on display, let alone anything of value. Uh, but they had an actual mummy, and they had it um, under glass uh, in this non-environmentally controlled room. Um, for all I know, the windows were open. It was awful. And uh, just a dusty wooden floor. The place was dirty. And this glass case was over this mummy, but the case wasn't, like, sealed glass in any way. It was just pieces of glass sat over this mummy. So there were flies crawling around underneath the glass. Uh, me standing there looking at the mummy meant I was breathing on it. 
Um, the whole thing was just terrible. And of course, oxygen was changing in and out in with the mummy. So um, not that I thought it was going to start breathing and come alive, but obviously it was deteriorating much faster than it should have been because it was it was not being preserved in any way. Uh, so I, even as young as I was, I remember these thoughts of just how appalling it was. And for years, I've always told this story about the flies crawling around on the mummy, an actual mummy. That uh, And I realized there are lots of mummies coming out of Egypt, and it's not just five um, but every mummy coming out of Egypt is of some historic significance, um, and this was just an awful way to treat a piece of history, any piece of history. And uh, if, if any of my listeners had this mummy in their own personal collections, they would have kept it better in their own basements than this museum did, where that was actually generating mum, uh, money, <laughs> generating mummies, generating money off this mummy. So uh, it stuck with me over the years just how awful this was. Well, it turns out uh, my father was telling me about this uh, just yesterday that he had seen an episode of Nova recently, and for those of you who don't watch PBS, uh, Nova is a science and education program that's shown on the public broadcasting stations, um, and this uh, episode of Nova was actually talking about this mummy that was uh, in this collection in Niagara Falls, and um, uh, I guess there, back in the, like the 1930s, uh, a German, probably archaeologist or historian, I don't know for sure, uh, Egyptologist, was in Niagara Falls, saw this mummy, and uh, told everyone that this mummy was important, it was royalty, and uh, no one believed him, but he went and got all this information notarized, so at least he would have the I told you so papers, uh, should it ever... Uh, need to validate himself, uh, which is a pretty funny thing to have done, because he wasn't going to get any money out of this one way or another, but uh, this is a guy who really wanted to make sure that people realized that he knew when no one believed him. So he got all this paperwork notarized. Well, recently, a researcher from Toronto, which is half an hour, one hour, something like that, from Niagara Falls, uh, was down at Niagara Falls and saw the mummy and decided that it was worth some research, uh, got a hold of this now-aged scientist in Germany, and uh, uh, someone else from Germany got involved, and uh, eventually it was determined that this mummy was important. And um, I don't know all the details, but uh, a collector in Toronto uh, put up the money to uh, buy the entire collection and shut down the museum, and uh, then the mummy was uh, sold to uh, one of the museums in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, and while in Atlanta, uh, they did some extensive research uh, and believed that they may have actually discovered that uh, this mummy was not just royalty, but actually Ramses I, who was the uh, the founder of the, the patriarch of the 19th dynasty in Egypt, uh, son of Seti, uh, who was, I believe, the captain of the Arrow Guard, um, but his uh, son was Seti I, and uh, his son was Ramses II. These are the, the pharaohs who built a lot of the, the really, really big stuff in Egypt, uh, some of the pyramids, uh, a whole bunch of um, Memphis, I believe, was built by them. Uh, so this is a really important dynasty, some really important people. And uh, so, of course, the researchers researchers in Egypt uh, didn't believe it. No, no, there's no way you have Ramses I. So the expert from Egypt flew over, walked into the Atlanta Museum, walked up, took one look at the mummy, and knew uh, from facial features, uh, from sight, just knew it was Ramses I, and uh, completely changed his tune. And uh, recently, I believe in late 2003, so this is... a 
few years ago this has been happening, um, the, this museum in Atlanta turned this mummy over to uh, the, the Egyptian people. I believe it's in uh, the museum in Cairo. That I'm not positive about, but I know it is uh, now on display in Egypt, uh, along with the rest of his family, which they had uh, gotten all the rest of them, which is how they were able to identify him so easily. They have his son and his grandson and his great-grandson. So they knew exactly what he should look like, uh, but no one knew where he was. And uh, so I just, this is one of those really weird kind of stories because to me this is a mummy that was kept in a glass case uh just one city away from where i grew up it's a museum that i knew it's a museum uh, a mummy that i remember having seen that i complained to no less than 20 or 30 people uh about flies crawling around on it uh the state that it was kept in i breathed on it and to think that that mummy that i saw uh all those years ago, was Ramses I, not just some random servant or, and not that, uh, you know, pharaohs were more important than servants, but uh, this is a person who had great historic impact, and uh, there he was, basically lying in the open in Niagara Falls uh, in a joke shop, and uh, uh, it's... uh, in some ways, one of the most appalling stories ever, uh, and yet it's incredibly fascinating uh, kind of how this happened, and uh, it's really weird to me to think that I was just an inch or two away from Ramses I and uh, didn't know it at the time, and no one knew it at the time. Uh, So, well, okay, one guy in Germany knew, but nobody was paying attention. Uh, So it's just weird, things like this that happen. And, uh, and then, strangely enough, we had this discussion yesterday, and uh, my father said, well, it's too bad I didn't record that Nova, because uh, we can't watch it now. And um, since the conversation at lunch yesterday, uh, until the time I did the podcast today, Nova ran that show again, and uh, Dad has a recording of it. So <laughs> I'm going to watch that and uh, see uh, exactly what had happened. But um, I, I did find online, if you go to Sheepguarding Llama, you can look up, there's some links to some information about this story. Uh, it's weird because they have now there's photographs of this mummy. There were never photographs before, as far as I know. Uh, nobody spent any time at that museum in Niagara Falls. Uh, but now I see photographs of it, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Nope, I've, that's the mummy I saw. Uh, now something important. So all very, very weird. Well, that was enough of me uh, talking there. I didn't mean to go so long, but it's a great story. I think that's one that uh, people want uh, to be able to pass on, because it's interesting. So, uh, I've got uh, one last song I want to play. We'll be back after this, because I've got kind of a interesting little jab uh, to do after this, but this is Skycar, who we've played previously on two occasions. Um, did uh, Alicia, which was an awesome song, one of the first ones, actually I think it was the first song we ever played here on SGL, uh, was by Skycar, and um, then uh, he was involved with uh, one of the Christmas songs Pod Save for Peace did, he was part of Pod Save for Peace, Uh, he contacted me and asked me to play that song on the show, and we did at Christmas, and uh, this is his latest song, which he did a couple weeks ago, this is The Beauty of Imperfection by Skycar.
right, that was The Beauty of Imperfection by Skycar. Uh, thanks for that, and uh, thanks for Podsafe for providing that. Okay, our final topic and our final song for the day. Normally I wouldn't play a song like this, but I listened to it, and it was pretty funny, and I did some research, and as far as I can tell, uh, this is how the story goes. Adam Curry, who does um, uh, uh, the Daily Source Code, Adam Curry's Daily Source Code, one of the biggest podcasts in the entire whatever it's called, Podosphere, I have no idea. Uh, but one of the huge podcasts, uh, Adam Curry, who was uh, uh, MTV VJ, uh, for those of you who don't remember, I have never seen him on MTV. Uh, I only know because everybody talks about him and says he was a VJ. I can only imagine that that is true. Um, but his podcast, uh, he does a bunch of random stuff. He carries, uh, I guess, an eye river around with him and records wherever he goes. And uh, the show's kind of weird. It's all over the place. Uh, but he did do this one show where he went and he looked at this car, I believe it was called a Trinity, where he uh, he went and looked, and uh, he kept talking about the car being able to run on biodiesel. Uh, but then he said that the car ran on pure vegetable oil. And uh, so a, a quick science lesson here, biodiesel is diesel that is produced from sources such as vegetable oil. Uh, however, it is diesel. The term biodiesel is kind of a poor one because it's truly diesel and it's just its source. Uh, it's kind of like gasoline. If you made gasoline synthetically, it doesn't make it not gasoline. It just is a different source for your gasoline. And uh, biodiesel is completely diesel. It's just made from plants, not from uh, quote-unquote um, fossil fuels. So uh, it's a big push now in the U.S., uh, especially with um, environmentalists uh, being involved and with the recent rising cost of fuel uh, that has subsided for the time being, uh, that biodiesel was a big deal because we were, in theory, going to be able to produce biodiesel uh, from uh, remains of biomass uh, that we had from our agricultural industry. It would be cheaper per gallon, hopefully, than diesel once the prices skyrocketed. So it's kind of a, a way for us to cap our, our fuel cost, hopefully, but we, we'd have to produce an awful lot of it. Um, <clears throat> but uh, biodiesel is, it does take a process to turn vegetable oil and other oil sources into diesel. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's not a terribly difficult process, but uh, there is a process. It, it is a conversion. Um, there are, and diesel engines run on biodiesel. Some uh, automakers attempt to uh, not honor their warranty if biodiesel is run in the car, but that doesn't mean it's not diesel. That's a legal issue, not a science issue. Um, but uh, any diesel engine will run on biodiesel. Any biodiesel engine will run on uh, uh fossil diesel, uh, it's all the same thing. Um, now, there are some engines that will run on vegetable oil. Some will run on partial vegetable oil. There are some you can get uh, modified that they will run on completely vegetable oil. And this is actually really awesome because if you don't have to do the conversion from vegetable oil to diesel, you have a much, much lower uh, rate of pollution going on from the conversion process. Because when you use, uh, to make biodiesel, you have to use some chemicals that aren't that nice like uh, lye and some other things. And you've got this waste that uh, comes off of it. So we would prefer if we didn't have to make biodiesel out of vegetable oil. And so as far as we know, what Adam Curry was trying to say is that uh, he found this car that runs on vegetable oil, and that's a really big deal, that uh, you can't just go into your average car dealer, or any that I'm aware of, and buy a car that just runs on vegetable oil. You have to have them converted. Uh, but biodiesel cars are everywhere. 
Uh, but he kept saying biodiesel. And uh, apparently a lot of people have been uh, uh, making fun of him about that. And uh, not that we should make fun of everyone just because they said the wrong thing. I'm sure he knows the difference between biodiesel and vegetable oil. Although I'm not sure how he got started saying biodiesel. No, I'm sure. actually, now that I say it, I'm sure he does not know the difference between vegetable oil and biodiesel and has no idea what he's talking about and should not be podcasting about it. Um, Adam, uh, if you if you want to pod to me, and I'll play a little clip. You can defend yourself on the differences of biodiesel and vegetable oil. However, um, Cybster DJ on the Podsafe Music Network made this great little song called Biodiesel featuring Adam Curry from that podcast uh, where he talked about that. So you can listen to it yourself and uh, and uh, judge for yourself. But uh, I heard it today while I was going through some stuff, and it's not music we would normally play, but it was pretty funny. And uh, so I decided that uh, we had to include it. So here it is. This is Cybster DJ with Biodiesel. I want to take you on a little sound scene tour. I have something to show you. I want to take you on a little sound scene tour. I have something to show you. Biodiesel. Biodiesel. Biodiesel, biodiesel. Oh, I am so excited. Will you sell me this car? Have you figured it out yet? I actually reached in my pocket. I was going to pull it out and start talking. Have you figured it out yet? And ladies and gentlemen, I present you with Trinity. 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 It is about a doubt. The ugliest, the ugliest car I have ever seen in my entire life. That's about all the luxury you're going to get. Biodiesel. 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 Oh, I am so excited. So she's like a, a young, cute agent. Uh, what is this set to? That's me kicking the rear bumper. Oh, excuse me, Sensei. Ah, oh, what the hell do I want here? All these different things. Got my coat on. Hello, 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 hello. Coming down at you. Okay, hold on a sec. Um, right. Okay, hold on a sec. Um, right. And it is already completely outfitted with a biodiesel engine. 99.9% vegetable oil. Crank her up. Listen to that puppy purr. And, and, it, and it runs like a child. Biodiesel, biodiesel. Biodiesel, biodiesel. Oh, I am so excited. This, this car was meant for me. And, and, it, and it runs like a child. 